Hello and welcome to the Building Christian Fellowship Podcast. We are very excited that you have decided to tune in today and pray you are blessed by today's message. My name is Atira. I'm the Minister of Music here. And, um, you know, I, was, I wasn't up here singing and, and I'm kind of, I got to kind of Kermit the Froggy sound right now. I was, I was sick for a week and uh, I got up and <laughs> first service and got excited, started singing and lost my voice before I even started talking. So, but I mean, that's, that's just how it is. It's just in me. It's in me to worship the Lord. It really is. Because the thing is, this is that I have experience. Mm. I have experience with him. And like even as we were singing this morning, it's your breath in my lungs. I don't know if anybody's ever been down to nothing. To where you barely even have the breath in your body. Anybody, ever, anybody know what it, how scary it is to feel like not to be able to breathe? But you woke up this morning with life in your body, with strength and health. And you may not be at the optimal health of where you want to be. Nonetheless, you're here. God saw fit for you to be here. God saw fit for you to see another day. Hallelujah. He's worthy of praise. Anyway, so as I was uh, preparing for today's message, I was looking at the calendar. I'm like, man, it's March 26th. Ivy, stand up. This is my oldest nephew, and it's his birthday today, you guys. I know. Sorry. I'm going to embarrass you. I love you. I'm so proud of the young man of God that you're becoming. But I just want you guys, you know what? When you're on your way out or in passing, give him a hug, slap him a high five, slip him some money, tell him happy birthday. <laughs> I want my percentage. I'm just playing. Just kidding. Just kidding. Anyway, so as I was preparing for this message, <laughs> I'm looking at the calendar. I'm like, oh, my goodness. We're already through the first quarter of the year. And 2017, how many 2017 has been pretty good? It's been decent. Hey, Amen. Clap it up. It's cool. Yeah, go ahead. Clap it up. Give God praise. <laughs> so I'm thinking, you know, we've had some good word this year so far. We had some really good word. We started off with strengthen that which remains. Pastor came and brought that word, talking about forget what's behind you. Stop counting what you lost and count who's still with you. Count what you still got. Count your blessings. Be grateful. And then uh, we had Pastor Kaya come bring that fire, talking about what's in your wallet, having a heart to finish. The starting line is for everybody, but everybody don't finish. So you got to, you know, we purposed in our heart to have a heart for the finish. And then we had uh, Brother Donald Ministry Johnson come a couple weeks ago <laughs> and break it down, talking about fix your focus. Fix your focus. You got to get your mind right. Okay? So I'm thinking, okay, Lord, so we, we, we've strengthened what remains. We got that word. We got that down. Check. We checked our wallet. Make sure we had a heart to finish. Check. We fixed our focus. Got our eyes set on Jesus. Check. Okay, so what, what do we do now? And for you note takers, Title of today's message is simply three words, and this is our next instructions after we've, after we've strengthened what's remained, after we checked our, our wallets and made sure we have a heart to finish, after we fixed our focus, the message is this, just keep going. 
just keep going. You talk about a faith that endures today. Oh, goodness. Thank you, Jesus. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for your word today, Lord. I thank you that your spirit is upon me, Lord God, for you've anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor, Lord God, to set them at liberty that are bruised, Lord. And I thank you that you're upon me to preach the acceptable year of the Lord. And, Father, I thank you that our hearts are open, ready to receive your word, Lord God, reveal yourself to us in a deeper way. God, I thank you that we are good ground, open eyes, ears, minds, and hearts, ready to receive your word with gladness, God, and, and, and prompt to do what you've instructed us to do today, Lord. We thank you. God, I thank you for helping me to communi communicate clearly, Lord, and with conviction. And we thank you for your word. It lasts forever, Lord. We love you. We thank you. We bless you. In Jesus' name we pray. And all God's people said amen. So if you have your Bibles, you can turn them to or turn them on to Hebrews chapter 11. Figure since we're going to talk about a faith that endures, what better place to start than the faith chapter, right? So in talking about faith, I just, I just, want, to, I just want to share from my heart this morning. Is that okay? Is that, is that all right? Um. Faith that endures. We're going to talk about, it's not, an, it's not an exhaustive list of enemies of faith, but we, I just want to touch on three of them in particular. Three of them that I personally, I, kind of, I guess they might be, you kind of might consider them my top three, but I just wanted to share them with you because as God's been ministering to me, I know God will minister to you because, you know, it rains on the just and the unjust alike. None of us is exempt from any troubles, trials, tribulations. All of us have experienced trials and tragedies in this room. But... We've all been given a charge to keep, and that's to keep running our race. And the Bible says the race isn't given to the swift nor to the strong, but to those who endure till the end. And faith is the only thing that's going to carry us through. So we want to make sure that we have a faith that endures. So it's wise only to understand there are things that are going to be in opposition to our faith. And we're going to talk about three of them, and I'm getting a little ahead of myself, but you can go ahead and write them down if you're taking notes. The three things I'm going to talk about today is doubt. Fear and comparison. Doubt, fear, and comparison. So let's look at Hebrews chapter 11. It says, now faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. Faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. I remember several months ago, I had a conversation with uh, an individual, and we were he were talking about um, just, you know, our walk with the Lord. And this individual was, was sharing me uh, the disappointment that they had in their walk with the Lord. And I'm like, well, you know, well, what, what's up? And the person was saying, you know, I, I, have, I, I try to have faith, but, but then there's doubt. You know, I doubt a lot. And as I'm listening to the person talk, it reminded me of myself and, and you know, because I've been there before and sometimes I still find myself there. But what I shared with the person was, you know, sometimes we, 
we think that the presence of something equals automatically something else. And what I mean is this, for instance, in this case, since we're talking about faith, sometimes we equate the presence of doubt to the absence of faith, which is not true. And the whole thing is this, is that here's the truth behind it, because the thing is this, is that we're talking about three different enemies of faith, but I want to kind of spin your perspective on them. And I don't know if anybody else in here has grown up in the church, but when it, when, we, when it comes to faith, it was always, it takes, only takes a little bit of mustard seed, a mustard seed of faith, right? But when it comes to the context of things coming through and happening, it was like you don't have enough. Did it make sense to anybody? Ever, anybody ever kind of heard those concepts? And it's, it's things that are preached and, and, and it ends up skewing our mindset and our perspective of God. And it's like, okay, well, I don't have enough. I don't have enough. So I'm trying not to get ahead of myself. So in talking about doubt with this individual, I was explaining something that the Lord had broke down to me a while ago, which is doubt isn't the absence of faith. It does not prove the absence of faith. Rather, the opposite. Doubt only shows up when there is faith to harass. Doubt only shows up when there is faith to harass. Meaning if doubt is there, you know faith is somewhere on the scene. Because doubt shows up like almost immediately because it knows as soon as faith takes root in your life and begins to grow and that seed of the word that God has given you, the promises of God that is put in your heart, as soon as it starts to grow in water, he knows it's over because it's going to do nothing but grow and you're going to continue to go from faith to faith, from glory to glory, from strength to strength. So doubt shows up on the scene and because there's been misconception and there's, there's been some, some wrong kind of teaching that's gone on in the church, people think that the presence of doubt is the absence of faith when it is the exact opposite. Make sense to everybody? Hebrews 10, 35 through 36. It says, cast not away therefore your confidence, which hath great recompense of reward. For ye have need of patience, that after ye have done the will of God, ye might receive the promise. Don't doubt in the dark what God told you in the light. And, um, you know, before we had, now we have, you know, pictures have come a long way. Um, pictures now we have digital selfies, all that kind of stuff going on now. But there was a once upon a time where it was actually a process to taking a picture and then waiting forever and then being able to have an actual, you know, physical picture photo in your hand. And the pro part of the process with certain types of pictures that were taken, there was a process that it went through in a dark room. There's a place called a dark room, and that's where the photos were developed. And it's the same type of thing with your faith. Faith is made for the dark places. Faith is developed in the dark places. That's why it's important that when God gives you a promise, and if you're a believer here, you have a promise. You have a promise from God. He's promised that he's never going to leave you nor forsake you. So when God gives you a promise that, look, you're going to go through some things, but I've overcome the world. I'm telling you things that your joy may be full. So as you start on your way and you're carrying that word, doubt automatically comes to harass you. And then as you're continuing to walk through your life, there's things that happen. And, and maybe you're going through a dark valley. And, and just it's just life. It just Like I said, it rains on the, the just and the unjust alike. But when you're in the darkness is when you start to hear the voice of a stranger. 
and it starts to speak doubt. Like, I think God forgot about you. Are you sure? Are you sure? You know what I'm saying? They, they put the questions. There's suppositions and, and accusations, suggestions and accusations. That's how the enemy deals with us, is suggestions. He suggests that God forgot about you. He'll suggest that maybe you, maybe you did something wrong. Maybe, maybe you don't have faith. What are you doing here? You're going to get killed. And then that's when it invites fear and all this other discouragement and all this, everything just starts to come in and starts to overwhelm you. But don't doubt in the dark what God has told you in the light. Your faith is meant for the dark places. That's where it's developed. That's where it's strengthened. As you hold on, you continue to move forward. Remember the name of the, top, the, name of the message today is just keep going. If you're going through hell, is anybody going through hell right now? It's okay. You don't have to raise your hand. But if you're going through hell today, I have a message for you. Just keep going. Don't stop. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, things look dead right now. But I challenge you to hold on to the word that God has given you. Hold on to the words. Hold on to the promises, the red letters that he's given you. I'll never leave you. I'll never forsake you. I am with you always, even until the ends of the earth. I'm right by your side. Amen. Faith is meant to carry you through the dark places. 2 Corinthians 5 to 7 says, we walk by faith and not by sight. Amen? Number two is fear. First enemy of faith we talked about was doubt. Second one we're going to talk about is fear. Now, fear comes to do one of two things. When you really break it down, you look into it, and there's a lot of manifestations of fear. But it comes mainly to do one of two things comes to either mobilize you or it comes to paralyze you. Let's talk about the mobilized part. Fear comes to cause you and provoke you to make haste decisions that often are not spirit-led. They get you to, to try to move out of the timing and out of step with God's plan for your life. And I couldn't help but think of the story of my twin niece and nephew when they were born. Um, Donald and Raquel was 2006. Jericho and Wisdom were born prematurely. And um, Jericho was, was struggling um, outside of the womb. So the doctors, you know, they wanted to do this super-duper invasive surgery where they insert a pick line through his chest and it goes directly to his heart and some other stuff. And it was for a condition that they think he might have. Let's, 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 let's think about that for a second. It's funny because you know what? I, there's two places that I have to mentally prepare to go. Two places I have to mentally prepare to go, okay? First place, Walmart. I do. I promise you. I got a mental. I, I'm so serious. Walmart. I got to mentally prepare to go to Walmart. You know why? Because it's like a mythical forest in there. You don't know what's going to show up. Ain't no check stands open ever. They got the same old retired city, senior citizen checkers that they had at Chadbourne Road working over here in North Texas. All those lines in like two cashiers. You got 27 lines, but two cashiers. Two. Two. I got to mentally prepare. 
I got to mentally prepare, okay? Walmart. For real, I mean, I'm, I'm willing to spend. Rayleigh, stay taking my money because I hate going to Walmart. For real, Target. That's, that's, that's yeah, that's champagne on a Kool-Aid budget right there. But for real, Walmart, I, got, I have to mentally prepare to go to Walmart. I, I mean, I just be like, Lord, can I make it? Can, can, can I make it without it? I just, I just can't today. I can't today. I'm tired. I just, you know. So Walmart is one place I got to mentally prepare to go to. Another place is the doctor's office. And the thing is this, is that, see, I got somebody who's like, whoo, yeah, yeah. But here's the thing, though, is fear, I mean, from the media to everything else, fear runs the show. It does. It's how people make their money off of fear, frenzy. Like, people are frantic, and everything's panicked. They're, they're, you're worked up in a fuss, and you're afraid. And, and like I said, fear only comes to do one or two things. It comes to mobilize you or it comes to paralyze you. Now, back to the story of the doctor wanting to do this invasive surgery on my nephew, Jericho, for a condition they thought he might have. This is serious, okay? So you've got the doctors, doctors and nurses harassing Donald and Raquel, like, you know, you need to do something, you need to do something now, you need to make move for your son, it's his life, his life is on the line. Yet it's an invasive surgery for something you think he might have. So... You know, this is Oakland Children's Hospital, and, and you know, there's, they're back and forth from, you know, from Fairfield in, in, in Oakland. And, and there was one day Raquel was telling me that they kind of cornered her because Donald wasn't there. He had made a run somewhere, and they had cornered her, and they were saying, you know, you really need to do this for your son. Your baby's life is on the line. You need to make sure you, you, you do everything in the best interest of your son. And, and here it is. We want to do this surgery that we think he might need that we think he might need. But here it is, the, the fear tax, the pressure was on. And they were trying to grill it. And here's the thing, Donald came back in. And here's, and, and just a side note, side note, bring me back here, okay? So this is why it's important. Ladies, single ladies, you guys single lady in here? Single women? This is why it's important for you to marry a man of God. A man that knows the Lord, that prays and waits for his instruction and hears from heaven because what's going to happen? What's going to happen? It's the blind leading the blind. If he don't have a relationship with the Lord, what makes you think he can lead you? For real. That, that's, that's real talk. You know what? Living this single life, and just by the way, I'm not married, so I know what I'm talking about. I'm not telling you it's cold outside because I read a temperature on a thermometer. I'm telling you it's cold outside, boo-boo, because I'm out here shivering too, Okay. <laughs> But I'll shiver alone. I'll shiver alone. Shiver me timbers. I'll shiver alone. Okay? Let's just make it, let's just make it clear. Seriously, because you know what? This, this life of a Christian is not easy. It's not no cakewalk. I don't care how many, how many people want to sit there and down talk it. If it was easy, everybody would be doing it. Everybody would be doing it, okay? Back to Donald. Back to Jericho. 
Donna comes in. And they're still, they're still got the, press, the pressures on, the scare tactics, so your son's going to die. You need to do this surgery. He needs this surgery for this condition that we think he might have. Raquel said, Donald just shut the lady down. <laughs> yeah, it's hard to believe, right? No, Donald just shut her, <laughs> shut her down <laughs> and begin to pray over his son. He laid hands on his baby. And long story short, he came out of that home he came out of that hospital and brought him home without the surgery that they said that they needed. But here's the thing. Here's what I want you to take away. Fear comes to either mobilize or comes to paralyze you. And when it comes to mobilize you, it wants you to move without the covering of Jesus. It wants you to move outside of the will of God. It wants you to move to make decisions that are not spirit-led. Now, let's talk about the paralyzed side of it. Fear, man. Fear, I think, has killed more dreams than anything else. You know, and I, I, I'm guilty of it, too. We had a propel a couple of weeks ago, and I was a part of the panel, and I was just sharing. We were talking about passion. And what do you think has been an enemy to your passion? And I opened up, and I just started talking about fear. You know, and, and it's, it's funny because sometimes you take other people's perspective or perception of you on, and you start to hold yourself to a standard. And a lot of people have told me something, oh, you're so strong. And I'm like, you don't know. I'm like probably one of the scariest people that you ever meet, ever. But fear, fear comes to paralyze you. So we talked about how it tries to mobilize you and get you to move outside of the will of God. Now I want to talk about how it paralyzes you. And here's the thing, James chapter 2, 17 says, uh, faith basically says, faith without works is dead, being alone. Even so, faith, if it have no works, is dead, being alone. Therefore, the purpose of the paralysis of fear is to make your faith ineffective. If I could get you scared straight to where you don't make a move, I got you. Your faith is ineffective. There's no work to prove your faith. Fear comes to mobilize, to move you, to get you, to provoke you to move outside of the will of God. And it comes to paralyze you so that your work is absent, therefore making your faith unfruitful. Fear presents us with the opportunity to stand firm in the midst of oppression and opposition. Instead of succumbing to the fear of the storm, allow it to place a demand on the anchor that holds you. So just like doubt is not the disproving that of faith, doubt is not the absence of faith. Rather, it proves that it is there because it wouldn't show up unless there was faith to harass. Okay, we established that. Now, fear... I just wanted to share a perspective change on it. Fear presents itself as an opportunity. Because here it is, you know, you, 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 there's doubt, but you've given ear to the voice of Jesus, and you're still making, making decisions to move forward. But here, fear comes along. I'm like, okay. So, so it's kind of like just standing in the way trying to intimidate you, like with the, the big muscles and standing with the arm folded. 
And it's like, oh, okay, well, it's time to start calling fear's bluff. And this is something, I'm, I'm not on the victory side of this, but I'm learning more and more to do that. It's time to start calling fear's bluff. That's what faith does. Faith call, calls fear's bluff. When it shows up, you're just like, okay, my faith is in me. Because the thing is, this is that God wants us to have faith in him, not in ourselves. We can of ourselves do nothing. We can't do anything of ourselves. I can't do anything of my own strength. In him, we live and move and have our being. He's the one that carries us through. He's just asking us to believe him and trust him to do it. So therefore, fear represents an opportunity for me instead of being moved by the storm, but to place an anchor, place a demand on the anchor that holds me. Let's see what you got, Jesus. Let's see what you got. That's fear. 2 Timothy 1, 7, everybody knows this one. God has not given me the spirit of fear, but of power, love, and a sound mind. I know that one thanks to my mom. That was one she, <laughs> that was one she used to, she, she taught us. That was like right after John 3, 16. That was one she taught us. And I think it was probably, probably mostly for me because I was afraid of the dark. And, uh. God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power of a sound mind. I really just think she wanted to go to sleep. She was like, look, 2 Timothy 1, 7, go to bed. All right, you know, okay. For real, she was doing by herself, four kids alone. Like, you know, somebody's got to get some sleep. Anyway, number three, is this helping anybody so far? This one right here. Let me tell you. Comparison. And this is this is a big one for me. Just being just, you know, kind of reaching into my vulnerability and sharing with you guys. Comparison. Comparison is a thief and a robber. It's a thief and a liar. Scratch a liar, find a thief. Scratch a liar, find a thief. Meaning, if they'll still, if 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 they'll if they're lying to you, chances are they'll steal to you, steal from you also. And what comparison teaches you to be is ungrateful. Comparison teaches you to be ungrateful. Now let's look at let's look at faith in the context in the context of a seed. And if I've been given well, here's the thing: is everyone's been given a measure of faith. That's what the Bible says. Everyone's given a measure of faith, and we've all been charged to work that field of faith, so to speak. Just an analogy. Just work, walk with me through this. But if I neglect my field of faith, neglect cultivating it, neglect taking care of it, intending to it, because Instead of minding my crop, my mind and my eyes are set on my neighbor's cornfield across the way. And I'm, I'm, I'm jealous of the tractor she has to go ahead and plow her field. And I'm wondering, why, I don't, why don't I have a tractor? And, and I, want, I want corn. I like corn. But God, is, God, you don't have corn. You have a cabbage patch, Atira. And the thing is this, is that we're so busy Studying somebody else's faith. When, 
We're so busy studying somebody else's faith when that's what's been prescribed to them according to the grace that's on their life. Not only that, but the parable of talents. Parable of talents. You don't know what it took them to get there. You might, you don't know. There's 10, 5, 1. And there's different variations of this parable in the Bible throughout the Gospels. But here's the thing. Here's the gist of the story. A ruler comes, gives one person 10 talents, one person 5, one person 1. One with 10 goes, flips it, doubles what he got. One with five goes, flips it, doubles what he had. The one with the one went and buried it. Now, when the master came back to check on his investment, do you know your life is an investment? Your life is an investment. And what you're doing with it should be yielding a return. And Jesus is coming back. The master is coming back for the return on his investment. And the thing is this, is that when we're studying somebody else's faith, when we're studying somebody else's crop, we're so busy being jealous of what they have, we don't tend to, we neglect with what we have. Therefore, the thing that we're supposed to, 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 to prize, we end up despising because we don't have what so-and-so has. And even, even, in, even in the kingdom, even in the kingdom, we look at other ministries, and it's like, it's like people want to make a career out of being preachers. And it's like, dude, you have no idea what you're, you're asking for. You have no idea what you're asking for. You're asking to be judged more. You're asking to be held to a higher standard. But it's, about, it's a popularity thing for you. It's a popularity competition for you. You're seeing how many followers you can get. You're seeing how many, how many, how many things, ooh, how many things could I say that, that you can hashtag and, ooh, and don't let it rhyme. Black folks, you know, we're real bad about that. <laughs> don't let it rhyme. It ain't even got to be biblical as long as it rhymes. It's like, really? Did you? Did... You complain, you remain. If you praise, you be raised. You know what? Like, that's, that's not the Bible. It's become a popularity contest. It's become who can become the most influential. Don't nobody care about the revelation that you receive. Can you live it? Can you live it out? Can you live it out, though? We got a lot of people that are giving a lot of good lip service, and it's all to be in competition with the wrong person. How messed up would it be to, to climb the ladder of success and find out it was on the wrong building the whole time? The whole time. The wrong building. Come on now. The Bible talks about not laying your treasures up on this earth where moth and rust can destroy it, but talking about laying your treasures up in heaven. Do you know we've all been given a race to run? All of us have been given a race to run. Every one of us has been given a measure of faith. Every one of us has been given a measure of grace to run this race, to tend our fields of faith. And the master is coming back expecting a return on his investment. You know, one of my favorite rappers in the world, the whole wide world, his name is Donald Ministry Johnson. It's Donald Ministry Johnson, you know. I was the president of his fan club. But then I let Raquel take the place. So I'm the vice president now. But one of the lines, one of my favorite lines from one of his raps is, Jesus is coming back, believe it or not. 
You should wake up in the morning, look in the mirror, and repeat it a lot. The album drops um, on the 31st of June. I'm, I'm featured on his album. Twinning, that's what it's called. It's the next album. It's called Twinning. Exactly, June 31st. Watch Apple iTunes for that. No, but seriously. You know, it's funny because I was listening to it and I was like, you know what? I'm going to do that. That's what I sound like. <laughs> but I'm going I'm, I'm to do that. And I looked in the mirror. I said, Jesus is coming back. And I, I mean, I'm kidding you. I'm not lying. I'm telling you the truth. I did this. I went into the mirror in my bathroom. And I was like, Jesus is coming back. And then that truth, like, started to wash over me. Jesus is coming back. What are you doing with your life? What are you doing with the life that God has invested in you? Jesus is coming back, and he's coming back to collect with entrance, interest. You better not be by yourself when he comes back. You better have duplicated. You better have poured some, found somebody to pour into, to disciple Instead of navel gazing, you know, some of, some, so many of us are so concerned and so wrapped up with our own agendas and our own itineraries and what we don't have. You're so busy being ungrateful that you forget to be productive. You forget to be productive. You're so busy admiring somebody else who's being fruitful, who's producing on what God has given them. But the, 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 you've, been, you've been bamboozled and hoodwinked by the thief and the robber and the killer of comparison. You don't even know what you've got. And the thing is, this is you're not going to know what you've got until you start to work what you have. Faith without works is dead. You know, and comparison is a... Comparison is a losing battle. It is. The thing is this, is that it, it, if, you, if you measure yourself against somebody else, Paul said when we measure ourselves against each other, we begin to act foolishly. When Christ alone is the standard. And that's been, that's been established, but we get so distracted by the lights and bells and smells and whistles and the things that, that catch our attention because eternity is not in the forefront of our minds. And it's a losing battle. So whether you measure yourself against somebody else who's not the standard and you find yourself to be better than, you're still deceived. And if you measure yourself against somebody else, again, who is not the standard and you don't meet, match up, you're still deceived. You're still deceived. Man. Grace for where you are. Grace for today. Grace for where you are. Grace to be where you are and grace to become. Um, so while we're being honest, I, I just got a confession to make. And uh, who here is in the breakfast club? Yeah, yeah, whatever. So how many of y'all know about The Breakfast Club? Y'all on Facebook? Y'all on Facebook? Okay. You know about The Breakfast Club? Okay. So The Breakfast Club, for those of you guys who don't know, it's a group. 
It's a group of women who ain't no better than me, by the way. It's, 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 don't kill what I'm, you're killing my message. You don't, don't steal my thunder, okay? It's a group of women and a couple of guys who occasionally go, a couple of guys, a couple of guys occasionally they go. They go to this gym at like 3 o'clock in the morning. Jesus ain't even up that early. And, and here's the thing is the gym is in this warehouse in the cuts somewhere, right? Nobody knows anything about it. And it's like you got secret handshakes and knocks and everything to get in there. Got to do like a million burpees and stuff. This stuff is CrossFit on crack, okay? And they're over there doing like amazing stuff. I think people, pick, they're pick, they pick each other up and then throw each other across the room. You got to do that 35 times. You got to wait till everybody's done. And it's, it's, it's some craziness, right? Breakfast club. We're talking about comparison, okay? So... I've been on a journey this year to better my health, and um, oh, thanks, guys. <laughs> I've, I've been on a journey to better my health this year, and 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 can I just be honest? I've been having issues. I've been, I've been a hater. I've been a hater. If you couldn't tell by my description of the Breakfast Club, I've been a hater. There it is. I said it. I've, I've been a hater. <laughs> I am. I am. It's just us here in this room together. Let me just therapy for me, okay? I'm a hater, and I'm hating. I, I'm not going to like your pictures. So what? <laughs> Three o'clock in the morning, breakfast club, killing it. Oh. Snapchat. Nobody cares. Oh, well, you will have one less like because of that nonsense, that whatever. But comparison, comparison is the killer and a thief. And Pastor Jay Alexander from Seattle, he had posted a statement on Facebook the other day. And I shared it right away as soon as I saw it. And he said this, and it's, it's so simple, but it's so profound. It says, don't let what you can't do keep you from doing what you can. Don't let what you can't do keep you from doing what you can. Now, comparison, like I said, it's a thief and it's a robber. And the thing is this is that they may have grace to do the a million burpees. I, on the other hand, do not. But you know what I can do? can walk. I have a medical condition that makes me severely anemic, so I lose wind real quick. And it's crazy because you'd never be able to tell by up here when I see singing, but I'm, I'm a grace case. Just like Pastor John, I'm a grace case. There's certain things in my life where this is the call that I feel like this is divine and God comes upon me for service for his house and for his kingdom. But it doesn't mean that I'm exempt from walking other areas of my life out. So back to the comparison thing. Now, if I'm so busy studying what they can do, 
that it keeps me from doing what I can. They're not losing anything. I am. I'm losing time. I'm losing joy because I said it's a thief. Thief comes but to steal, kill, and destroy. That's what, stay, that's what not staying in your lane gets you. It gets you death. You come up short, and it destroys you. It, it has the potential to destroy you. And the thing is, this is that I'm so, if I'm so fixated on, I can, I'll never be able to do it. And that's not what it is. Like I said, we go from glory to glory, from faith to faith, from strength to strength. We grow. We grow. We're all given one. We're given something to start out with. But God has given a charge to us to cultivate. You know what cultivate equals? Work. It means work. So though I may not be able to do a 50 million push-ups or pick up Ginny and throw her across the room and pay money to do it every month, okay? I can walk in it's free, exactly. Winning, yes. Free, it's free. All day I can do it anywhere too. Look. Comparison is a thief and it's a killer. It'll destroy you. And the thing is this. Here's a question I have for you today. Are you low on joy? Maybe there's a hole in your bag called comparison. The joy of the Lord is our strength. And if enemies kills your joy by way of comparison because you're studying what everybody else has, that you forget to be thankful and use what you have, what you do have. And here's the thing, like I said, we grow. We grow in the faith that God has given us. Because there's going to be another challenge that you're going to be met with. Now that you can walk, now that you can walk a mile, I want you to walk three. Now that you can walk three miles, I want you to pick it up and jog half the way. Here's the thing, it's always something. But you have to stay in your lane. Just keep going. Just keep going. Just keep going. The race is not given to the swift nor to the strong, but to those who endure to the end. So you got to protect the faith. You got to protect the promises that God has given you in your heart so that you can continue to run this race with endurance. Paul said, I don't box as one that is beating the air. There's a purpose. There's a purpose. I got somewhere I need to go. And the thing is, this is keeping eternity in the forefront of our minds will help us to stay on task. Jesus is coming back, believe it or not. You should wake up in the morning, look in the mirror, and repeat it a lot. And he's coming to collect on his investment. He's not just coming for what he gave. He's coming back for the, for the return of increase, return of investment. Are you flipping what he gave you? Somebody touch your neighbor and say, are you flipping what he gave you? 1 Corinthians 10, 12. Is it warm in here? Is it just me? Is that the right one? I think I made a boo-boo. Uh-oh. Okay. Is this when we compare ourselves against ourselves, we begin to act foolishly. Comparison is a distraction. When we focus on what others have, we end up despising what God has given us 
to work our faith. Just keep going. Just keep going. Just keep going. You know what? I talked about comparison and how it's a killer. And the thing is this, is that Jenny spoke a couple weeks ago about community, you know, and it was in preparation for small groups. And while I don't compare, we don't compare ourselves against ourselves, we need each other. We need each other. Because we need to tell each other when we forget, when, when life gets harder, just keep going. Just keep going. And just honestly, you know, I've had some, I've had some health challenges within the past few years. And I've had to tell myself, just keep going. Just keep going. Looking away from all that will distract unto Jesus, who is the author and the finisher of our faith, giving its first incentive for the prize that was set before him, endured the cross. Remember I said, there goes that word again, endurance. Faith that endures. Faith that endures. An anchor that holds, even in the midst of diagnosis of death. Here's the thing, and if anybody in here has ever been has ever been in the doctor's office, like I said, I got to mentally prepare. Remember Walmart in the doctor's office. Guard your heart. You have to guard your heart. You have to guard your heart. You know, it's 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 not God's responsibility to renew your mind. It's ours, and we have to let this mind that be. In Christ Jesus, let it be in us, but that only happens through the word of God. So we have to renew our mind. We have to be geared up. We have to be girded. Our hearts have to be guarded so that when we hear the diagnosis of death or it looks bleak or, you know, it's just, you know, you just, it's stuff that just drains you. It, dra- it zaps you of your joy. And the thing is, this is that they may be facts, but facts are subject to change. But the truth of God remains. And the truth is, he is the healer. The truth is, his blood has never lost its power. It's just as powerful as the day it was spilt. Develop a resolve in your heart to worship. Develop a resolve in your heart to declare who God is. To declare the the power of the healer that you walk with. That he is with you. He is your shield. He's your buckler. He's your horn of your salvation. And the thing is this is just keep going. And you have to develop in your mind and in your heart and purpose that you know what, God, you may not show up. I don't know how you're going to show up. I don't know how you're going to show up in this situation. Whether you show up as the miracle that brings me out or the hand of grace that walks me through. Whether you show up as more energy and strength than I'm supposed to have. I'm going to just keep going. I'm going to just keep going. Because they, they work in fear. Fear comes to paralyze. And it comes to mobilize you to move outside of God's will. How many decisions have we made that were provoked by fear? And the thing is, this is that, I, you know, fear will wear you out. Fear wears you out. And it's just, you know, it's just, 
recently I had to just, I had to square my shoulders and be like, you know what, God, either you're God or you're not. Either you're God or you're not. And as long as I'm doing what I know I'm supposed to be doing, I trust you and I'm going to just keep going. Is this helping anybody? Come on, stand to your feet this morning. Thank you, Jesus. Just keep going. We've strengthened that which remains. We checked our wallet, made sure we have a heart to finish. We fixed our focus. And that's not a set it and forget it type of thing. We have to refocus and refocus and refocus. Because you know what? The enemy's always going to have his books in the way. He's always going to have something. There's always going to be something. Just life. Period. It just happens. But we have an advocate and helper that walks us through. And he's saying, if you, if you listen real carefully, he's saying, just keep going. Fix your eyes upon Jesus. Turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look full into his beautiful face. And the cares of this world will grow strangely dim in light of his glory and his grace. And here's the thing. And I want to leave you. Don't leave with anything else. Leave with this. The concept of enduring faith is this. You win if you don't quit. You win if you don't quit. If you've received a diagnosis of death and you belong to Jesus, either side of the grave we win. Either side of the grave we went. That's the truth that I challenge you to hold on to. And I'm not saying that discouragement won't come. I'm not saying that fear won't try to rear its ugly head because it will. It will. But you don't have to be undone. It doesn't have to derail you because your anchor holds. Instead of being moved about by the storm and, and tossed about by the winds and the, the trials of the situation that you're in, you can say, you know what, okay, Lord, let's see what you got. Thank you for tuning into our podcast today. And if you would like to know more information about our church, please visit thebuildingcf.com or download our app on all major app stores and marketplaces. Once again, thank you and have a blessed day. Thank you.